Our second reading is Isaiah 29, verses 9 to 16. Isaiah 29, and starting at verse 9. Be stunned and amazed, blind yourselves and be sightless. Be drunk, but not from wine. Stagger, but not from beer. The Lord has brought over you a deep sleep. He has sealed your eyes, the prophets. He has covered your heads, the seers. For you, this whole vision is nothing but words sealed in a scroll. And if you give the scroll to someone who can read and say to him, read this, please, he will answer, I can't, it is sealed. Or if you give the scroll to someone who cannot read and say, read this, please, he will answer, I do not know how to read. The Lord says, these people come near me with their mouth and honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder, the wisdom of the wise will perish, the intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. Woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their work in darkness and think, who will see us, who will know? You turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to him who formed it, he did not make me? Can the potter, sorry, can the pot say of the potter, he knows nothing. Morning, everyone. Uh, let's pray. Gracious Lord, as we come to your word, we ask that you would be with us as we seek to understand what you are saying. Please help us. We thank you that your word strengthens, encourages, rebukes, corrects us, teaches us, trains us. And we ask that we, all these things you might do by your grace and mercy, by your spirit, and keep me from error, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. We return to Matthew, Matthew 15, which uh, is uh, the next bit we're up to. So uh, that might be good, might be bad. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, I'm hoping it's good. We've seen Jesus misunderstood as we've moved through Matthew. You might remember the astounding statements that Jesus was doing these miracles by the power of the devil himself. He's a magician. Can you believe that? We've also seen Jesus revealing himself with the Lord's holy name in chapter 14, verse 27. He is the I am. Jesus recognized as correct in chapter 14, verse 33, when the disciples confess he is the son of God. These are big heights. These are big concerns. The story the the gospel has been this you know concerned with such important things 
that it really is astounding that we come to such banal things. Do you know what the word banal means? Not banana, banal, banal, bland, silly things, traditions. Chapter uh, verses one to nine, our first point. Some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus and asked, "Why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat." Remember the people back in Nazareth in chapter thirteen, verse fifty-five, understood. Jesus to be just one of them. I know his sisters. We know his mother. What are you talking about? He's doing these miracles. They want him and understand them to be like them. And in one sense, that's exactly what is happening here. The religious leaders are doing the same, except they're saying, why aren't you like one of us? But again, we're struck by how ordinary these things are. Jesus has been healing people. He raised a dead girl in Matthew chapter 9. He taught from the scriptures like no others. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law have missed it. Missed it all. Been soaring with clouds and now we're stuck with the turkeys. Instead, they want to know about washing hands. Why your disciples don't do it? This is the traditions of the elders. Life and death issues all around the place, people coming to Jesus all the time, and they're interested in hands, washing. So Jesus turns the question on them, as he will do. Verse 3, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honour your father and mother. Anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a, a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me, it's a gift devoted to God he is not to honour his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. Jesus' critique at this point is sharp. He tends to be that, doesn't he? He's quite pointed. He's not subtle. He's not a diplomat. I don't think you'd send Jesus in to be a diplomat, to be honest. He'd just tell you the truth. Though you'd learn a lot, wouldn't you? The practice of Korban, as, we, as it will be called somewhere else, is verses 4 to 6, is wrong. Declaring something that a person has is devoted to God. So that when someone needs it, someone important like your parents, and which the scriptures command you to honour your parents, they can say, look, we can't, it's unavailable, it's devoted to God, whether it be their time, their money, etc., etc. This is the practice. It's God's, sorry, I can't give it to you. 
It's a manipulation of the rules, human religious rules that somehow do the opposite of what God has commanded. Very clever. Subtle. Happens all the time, this stuff, doesn't it? And it happens even amongst us and in our churches. Jesus points this out. They fail to honour God. They're nullifying God's word. And he puts it straight. That's an evil, verses 7 to 9. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Doesn't mince words. You hypocrites. That's sort of not very subtle. Nothing has changed, he's saying, since Isaiah's day. Your lips honour God, but your hearts are far from him. Man-made rules that are not honouring God at all. They pretend to be guides to God's ways, but instead, he's saying, our second point, they are blind guides, from verses 10 to 14. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. Jesus has said something similar in chapter 13 when he was talking about the parables. He says, listen and understand. There is the idea that the hard-heartedness of the nation would bring about God's purposes in chapter 13, and that's coming around here. That hard-heartedness, you might remember as we went through, it was a little bit hard to read in one sense because it, it was going to place the place which would bring about the destruction of their own Messiah. And it's continuing here. And there is a shadow gathering, uh, clouds are gathering in the, in the, over the top of this uh, narrative. Hand washing isn't really the problem. We were talking about hands, but actually that's just surface stuff. What's really the problem is heart stuff. Hearts are the problems because this offends the leaders. Remember the call? Listen and understand. Oh, they understand all right. How do they understand it? Verse 12 to 14, the disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees are, were offended when they heard this? They did understand, didn't they? They understand that he was talking about them. Not to understand that God is teaching and revealing his ways and that they needed to change tack. Instead, they are offended. Verse 13. Every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Again, Jesus' words, he doesn't mince them, does he? 
It's pretty damning. You've heard of that saying, the blind leading the blind. You've heard that saying? We often use that uh, in all sorts of contexts, don't we? Which I won't go into in here. Jesus is saying this is what's happening. And his way of saying what the Father will do with it reminds us of the parable of the weeds in chapter 13. The disciples are told to leave the Pharisees and teachers of the law. Leave them. They are blind guides leading people into trouble. They can't. They don't. They refuse to see. We saw from Isaiah chapter 29 there that they can't see. It's a sad Sad thing in Isaiah 29 that it's, it's actually, they're prevented from seeing. They are blind. They look like the real deal. Have you ever been led on a tour by a guide? Have you ever paid for a tour by a guide? How did that go? Did they know what they were talking about? Some are good, aren't they? Some are great. Some are pretty ordinary. Some of you wondered why I got on the bus. These guys are not the real deal. They look the part. They even sound the part. But they're not. Every plant that my Heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. These teachers of traditions are not teaching the Lord's ways. They're teaching men's traditions. And that is their heart concern. It's their traditions, not God's, and that's what they're devoting their life to. That's what they're making everyone do. That's what they're correcting you, everyone, when you don't do them. The Lord is actually disappeared out of their sights because their focus and their hearts are actually on these things. Whatever they tell you, Jesus is saying, will only lead you into a pit, a place of death. To follow their teaching is to be led away from God. They look good. They look like they're the right way to go, but they're not. Reject them. What is their real problem? Our third point, heart. Heart problems in verses 15 to 20. Peter said, explain the parable to us. And Jesus replied, I don't know if you've uh, ever read this bit, but I'm not sure I'd love to be spoken to like this, but uh, it's a little bit damning. Uh, I, I don't like to hear this sort of reply to myself. But anyway, are you still so dull? I think you could translate that, are you this thick? Jesus answered them. Remember he said, listen and understand? And there's a, there's a sadness here really because the disciples are a bit the same as the, as the teachers of the law. They're, they don't understand. At the moment, they're not really much different that's a bad problem to have, but it's quite simple. Verse 17, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? 
I don't know about you, but this sounds like a, a good description about that sort of processes. It's not the sort of processes I want to talk about, not the sort of processes I have any knowledge about, but I'm pretty sure food passes, goes in and then goes out. What comes in goes out, you hope. And there's no problems internally, Jesus is saying, in this. But verse 18 tells us it's different with what comes out of the mouth. The things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And these make a person unclean. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what makes a person unclean. Eating with unwashed hands does not make them unclean. As we said, food goes in, food goes out. That's the way it is. That's not really the problem. But what is the problem is that the heart, what overflows out of the heart is actually what comes out. We all know people like this, don't we? We all know people. You've known a situation where people will suddenly realise you'll be talking to them and they will eventually tell you they've been saying this, they've been saying that. Eventually they will tell you exactly what they think. Might be a family member. Might be a family congress you're working, trying to work out, and then someone reveals this is actually what they think about what's happening. Everyone goes, ah, okay, you think that. They can't help it. It's out of their heart. Might be good, might be bad, but you'll find out, won't you? Jesus, <coughs> Jesus is saying the heart reveals what people are like. Your attitudes, your desires, your prejudices, prejudices, what you have really devoted your heart to, these come out. And Jesus gives us a list. In the heart are evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. It's a long list. I'm not totally sure it's exhaustive. That's probably not the point. There's probably others. But it gives you a great sense of the evil that can be and is in people's hearts. It reveals godlessness. It reveals the problem of humanity. Now, I, uh, I of course, had a uh, bit of an interest in the Second World War. I don't know why I did, but I did. I always have, and I probably always will in one sense. And one of the horrible truths about the evil of the Second World War, wherever you find it, wherever you find it, is that those acts are not committed by monsters. They're committed by ordinary people. It's one of the hardest truths. Even that H guy, you know the H guy we don't like to admit, talk about? We love calling him a monster in that thing because of the horribleness that poured out. The trouble is he has some very ordinary stories 
We don't like seeing those home movies where he's dancing and smiling. People are ordinary and people have these problems. Rwanda, you remember Rwanda? What happened in Rwanda? We, all, we love, preachers love using that. It's getting a bit old hat, isn't it, to use Rwanda? Neighbours, friends for years, went next door and murdered their neighbours, turned them in. Nazi Germany, as we know, or through Poland and all those places, they were people who lived down the road you were friends with who you turned in. Ordinary people in the heart are evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual The truth is, it's here, Jesus is saying, in the Israel's leaders. The truth is, it's also in us. It's in our world. There's a heart problem in Isaiah's day. There's a heart problem still here. But in Jesus' time, Jesus is saying even his own disciples are infected. The nation has received the words that heal hearts, that changes them, that makes them more like God. But they don't know them. The leaders don't know God's words and they don't want to know God's words. Instead, they're pursuing their own agenda, their own traditions is a way that was coming out of their hearts. And when the heart is not right, this list, I assume, more, much more evil will be possible, will be present. Our world does remind us constantly, is at the moment, isn't it? But it always has, it always will. Remind us of how true this is. Out of people's hearts comes all sorts of evil. Their hatred here, the leaders who are now interacting with Jesus, their hatred will intensify and that's this cloud that is descending over the narrative. It's there and Jesus will pay. For out of their hearts will come this type of evil. But we're stopping here. We're stopping here because it's too long otherwise. How's your heart? How are your traditions? Uh, I've been in the middle of a... I'm just going to bash up on my own denomination because I'm a part of it. I've been in the middle of a dispute where people said about those people over there, they're not Presbyterians, you know. They're not one of us. They haven't been around that long. They were slandered. Things were made up about them. Told as truths. They were vilified. I heard them. They were shunned, they were excluded, they were made to feel unwelcome. Some of them left, plenty of them left. Some of them stayed and put up with it. Why? Because someone said, they're not one of us. Now, what was that based on? I'll tell you what, it wasn't based on the word of God. It wasn't based on the work of the Spirit in these people's lives, the fact that they'd been doing ministry alongside of them, the place they'd 
encouraged and done all these things for you was based on something else. Because out of the heart comes all sorts of evil. Traditions can be an excuse to cover up heart problems. How this grieved the Holy Spirit. In the narrative, as we know, Christ will be betrayed. Before that, he will be slandered and then he will be killed. He did that because of heart problems. He did that because of sin, which resides in humanity's hearts. And he did that for us, that we might not have heart problems, but that we might be brought to him and we might be his and he might change us. And so today as we read these things, we're not to think, ah, look at these guys. It's easily done. Easily done. So know God's word. Know God's ways. Be transformed by the power of his spirit who uses his word to fill your hearts and overflow them with the goodness and love of his dear son. Be conformed. Long for that. Long for grace and truth as we pursue his majesty and love. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we pray for, thank you. Thank you for your word. It, it really puts it out there for us. Jesus came into a world that did not know him and it still doesn't. And Lord, we confess that at times we're part of that. Forgive us. Please strengthen us, help us, renew us. Please train us to know grace. Train us to know your ways. Help us to recognise the things which are not yours but are ours and for, help us to stick to you and to your paths. Thankful that Jesus trod the path for us all the way to the cross that he might take away from us the hold of sin, the hold of this evil, and give us life, life in himself, eternal, fresh, transformed, our hearts made yours. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.